Thank you for tuning in to The Arts in Business, a podcast that explores how artistic sensibilities can positively impact the business world. Many aspects of our daily existence are impacted by small and big businesses, and conversations around sustainability and customer-centered engagements have become more prevalent in the past years. Artists engage with existential questions of our human existence and can challenge many of our common business practices. How can an artistic lens or the sensibilities that an artist uses in their daily practice improve the way businesses are run and how they communicate? Through interviews with entrepreneurs, artists and professionals, the show investigates how our communities can be transformed by actively engaging an artistic lens in our professional settings. I am Sebastian Grube an artist, entrepreneur, and communications professional who aims to build a more compassionate world through amplifying voices. I am also the founder of Beyond Comms, a communications agency that unearths and amplifies the stories that inspire founders to build sustainable and impactful businesses. So let's dive in. Hi, dear listeners. Uh, today, I'm with Alexa Mena, who is a multifaceted professional. She's an artist, a fitness enthusiast. Um, she currently works for a syndication bureau and the Live Healthy brand as a develop business development specialist. Um, she graduated from NYU Abu Dhabi with a double major in theater and literature. And she is honestly my best friend, which made writing this introduction very challenging because there's so much more I want to say, but in the spirit of brevity, um, we're going to end this very broad introduction and you'll get to know Alexa in this episode. And I'm excited to unpack and unravel how Alexa's background in theater design, her passion for architecture and her rootedness in literature influences her professional practice. Welcome, Alexa. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me. Really excited to get into this conversation. Great. Um, First question, what did you bring as your drink of choice and vessel? I brought this really well-shaped green teacup that really accidentally matches me uh, and cinnamon tea that is not caffeinated because I'm trying to avoid caffeine at this time. Nice, I love that. I brought something that will be familiar to you, a blue cup <laughs> with earth tones. Um, and I have, oh, coffee I made in the Greca with some milk because I needed a caffeine shot and picked me up. Um, great. Okay, I because I gave a very broad introduction, um, I want to give you some space to describe your artistic practice because I know it has been shifting. You have been thinking about it a lot. So where are you at? Um, how are you thinking about your personal artistic practice at this point? Ooh, that is a really difficult but good question. I think I don't like to define my practice by a medium or a style. I will say that I have a tendency to go towards sculpture or structural design or writing. Those are three things that I think are the staples and penchants of my work. But really, I would say that it's, I'm trying to shift my practice into being, thinking about how I engage with the world as opposed to what I do. And I'm trying to shift more towards the idea of listening and responding and responding to what I listen to deeply, uh, which I will speak more about later as being part of the things that I bring into business. But I read an excellent book that you recommended to me <laughs> and 
that has made me think about how we react to the natural world and how as a society we've stopped deep listening and I think that that's what artists do they listen deeply and they respond um, and they think about relationships and how things react to one another and I'm trying to shift my practice really bare bones back to that it doesn't matter what the output is but I want the input to always be listening deeply and I think that I need to get closer to that again so that's what I'm trying to get closer to whether the output is a structure a set design a piece of writing that I think will always be variable but I want the input to always be listening yeah so for the listeners the book was the overstory right Yes. <laughs> Great. Okay. I'm going to link that book in the show notes because it, it really is a wonderful one. Um, so to dive a little bit deeper into that question, then what do you do to move your practice to that listening and responding? Ooh, right now it looks like consuming very little, but very intentionally. Um, so I try to read every day and I'm a very fast reader. So I've given myself the challenge of trying to read slowly and actually dissect the work and figure out what it is that the author is doing and responding to. Um, and also I sometimes can get a little ungrounded and unmoored from the world reality because I like to be busy and I've been trying to notice things more. And what I do is I actually stop and I ask myself questions. So I kind of do a reflection practice of what is it that I'm seeing actually? How are things moving actually? What are the actual words on this page? What is the sentence doing? Why does it matter? Um, essentially taking a moment to reflect and ask questions and see what something is truly doing and let go of my biases and what I think the thing is doing, but actually just respond to what it is actually doing and what it actually is, which is harder mm. than you think. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking about it in a, it's, it's coming across somewhat analytical, um, which is not any, any kind of judgment. Um, so I wonder too, is there a physical practice to that as well, or a physical expression to, to trying to move more towards the listening and reacting and synthesizing? I don't think so. I do think it's a very analytical thing for me. Um, everything starts in my brain for me. I'm, it That's, yeah, so it is, it is quite analytical. I don't know that it has a physical expression in a way that you might be thinking of. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And maybe the physical expression comes at a much later stage when you create a piece or an event or a, a thing that comes out of it yeah um cool what are artistic sensibilities to you what does that term mean to you Ooh, i think that artistic sensibilities are when you look when you come towards something with an air of curiosity or hmm that's a hard question. I think that artistic sensibilities are something that artists have, but I also think that we're all artists. I don't think that that is privileged only to professional artists. And I think that what artists have is, as I mentioned before, the ability to listen and respond. But what that means is that you need to be curious. Um, you need to be forever questioning. And in order to question, you need to see. Yeah, so I would say that to me, artistic sensibilities are really rooted in curiosity hmm. Hmm. and what do you do to keep that curiosity alive or develop that curiosity 
honestly, uh, I try to diversify what I'm consuming. So my favorite thing to do to myself, which I also hate <laughs> deeply, is <laughs> I force myself to listen and watch things or consume things that I don't like or that I think I don't like. And then I force myself to engage with it really. Um, I may not like it aesthetically, I may not like it theoretically, but it's, there's something in the engagement with things that I don't like that awakens other things that I don't think about in different modes of thinking. Um, so it's a really fun and disturbing exercise. It's a little torturous. Uh, I think like a good example is, I don't like horror at all. I respect it. I respect it as a medium in any kind of art form. Um, I think there's, it's really hard to do horror well. But I, I just aesthetically don't like it and I also don't like violence. But I think that in order for me to respond to something, there has to be something there. So I try to watch horror analytically in a good film that recently disturbed me, but also awakened some creative sens sensibilities was Midsummer. I have a love-hate relationship with that film. I think it's so well-crafted, so well-made, so genuinely disturbing and beautiful but I also don't like it. <laughs> um, but the engagement with things that I don't like really helps me to grow. And I think, yeah. Yeah. And we're not going to get into the political implications that that statement would have. Um, but yes, I think it's a good, it's a good call to action maybe for, for anyone who's listening to engage with something that is counter to what you would usually consume or what you're naturally gravitate to because that's potentially where we could learn the most things i mean that's also where you discover your biases and maybe more about why you are drawn to the things that you're drawn to so you can even enhance those connections if you wanted to or needed to um i yeah. deeply agree and sorry not to elaborate no but go ahead even not to get into the political but even when you are opposed to something, there is something to be gained or learned by the way, let's say the opposition is working. And I think that that actually not only is helpful in business, not only is helpful in art, it's, it's helpful in life because you begin to think about other pathways and those pathways may further enhance the way that you think, but you would have never arrived there if you maintain yourself in the same roots, right? You need to experience something completely different in order to then expand the way that you think. So yes, it is a complicated way of uh, being because you have to engage with things that you disagree with, but I think that it's still useful and I think that it's still necessary. I don't, I, useful is inappropriate. I think that it's necessary. I think that as humans, it's our job to be continually engaging with as much as possible, even if we don't agree with it, because how do we know we don't agree if we haven't engaged with it? Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. So we'll um, move on to, oh, to the next question. No, it's <laughs> last, last, last collaboration. Yeah. I think that's what artists do really well. Artists are responding to often things they don't like in society, yeah? Like Guernica by Picasso is responding to war and it's really macabre and it's really bloody and it's really disturbing work. And it's, it is meant to say something. It's meant to make you feel those, that horrendous and I don't know, disturbing feeling in order to get you to think differently, right? And I think that's exactly what artists are doing, engaging with things that are disturbing in society and reflecting them back to make you think deeper and further. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree. I have nothing nothing to add to that. Um, <laughs> I want to move to to the next to another question because um, as you 
as I was inviting you to this podcast and you were thinking about what you want to talk about, you you sent me a message. Yes, I think a voice message it was. And then you said, I know what I want to talk about. It's collaboration um, as as part of, of an artistic sensibility. So tell me more about that. Gladly. Uh, so in preparation for this, when you told me about the podcast, it really generally made me think about what have I, Alexa, brought from my very deep arts background? I mean, I majored in literature and theater and then focused in set design and I'm planning to do a master's in architecture. I'm arts all over, at least when it comes to studying um, and in, in my own personal practice, but that's not what my job is necessarily. Uh, so I'm, I'm very business development, which I also deeply enjoy. And I was like, okay, there's definitely some carryover and I just don't know what that is. And ironically, there was a day that I was working and in the office, we were talking about that, that every event, the only, every good event we've ever had at Live Healthy comes from collaborating with the community, um, not just of other businesses in the health and wellness sector and not just with the government, but also with the community that we're serving. And ironically, that same evening, I went to a community dinner at the NYU Arts Center with artists Alex Cuba and Raul Midon and Bill Bregan, the artistic director, his question that evening was, who are your greatest collaborators? And he uh, put it in the context of every great artist has a good collaborator. And what I was thinking beyond that just being true <laughs> was it's not, I think my interests are very isolated interests, very siloed interests, yeah? So I'm interested in writing. I'm interested in set design and architecture. And the way that I'm interested in them lean towards the sculptural. And sculpture, usually it's the one artist responding to something. But then here's the thing about responding to anything. That already is a collaboration. Whether you're responding to a living environment or you're responding to a presumed audience if you're a director, or if you're an actor responding to your other actors and the audience, or if you are a painter, your medium is responding to the canvas, to the wood, whatever that you are responding to, there's always some kind of relationship. And the moment that there is a relationship, that is collaboration. I'm a deep believer in collaboration, not only being between people, but also objects, yeah? Because the moment that you're responding and are in relation to something, that's collaboration. And furthermore, as an artist, you, you don't exist in a vacuum. We're not born into nothingness. There's a history before us. There's a history that's happening in our contemporaries. And we know this and it's in our bodies and we receive this. And whether or not we're consciously responding to things, we are, we're always responding to things. So already we're collaborative beings just automatically by default. And I think personally, as someone who's interested in set design, my work literally doesn't matter without other people. And I was thinking about how in business development and also being the senior project manager, why do I make events? It's for an audience, it's for people, right? Already automatically I'm in relationship with people. I, there's no point in making an event if it's not for someone, right? And I'm thinking about what interests that audience? What is it that they're looking for? What do they want? What would be exciting? And I was like, oh, it's literally the same thing as theater. It's literally the same thing as art. It's you're bringing, a vision and trying to respond to an audience. Now, and it's it's the same. It's 
the same skill in both places. Mm. Um, that makes me think about, uh, I mean, I, I wrote the last article that I published in my, I guess I'm calling it a weekly newsletter now, um, that, that came out by the time that this, uh, this episode airs is about collaboration. And um, I, in it, I write about how I think that true collaboration and in order to truly collaborate, you need to let go of your ego to a certain extent, and you need to um, accept the outcome as it is with the input from, from whoever you're engaging with or to whatever you're responding to, to use your language. So I wonder, um, I didn't think of, I mean, I agree with you in terms of you can collaborate with objects, you can collaborate with nature, with, with other things, not just humans, but I never thought about this idea of the input. So the way that I'm thinking about right now is there's an active or an inactive input. So for example, if you're, if there's an object to me, that is more of an inactive input because you're developing a relationship and then the object can't necessarily talk back at you or something. Um, and, and the same for the audience, if you're, if you're in business development or you're in event management and you're organizing an event, unless you're actually talking to your audience and to your potential attendees, are they are they collaborating with you on that event? I would say no, because they're an inactive input in that sense. Um, but yet they're important to collaboration. I have no idea where I'm going with this point, but I I like I'm starting. I just I'm articulating these these thoughts with you. Um, yeah. What What do you think of that active inactive input? I I would love to hear I your hear thoughts. Hear your question. Clearly, actually, which is if they're not in the process with you, how are they a collaborator is what you're yeah, saying. Exactly. And I think that I would push back against how you think about active um, because I think about architecture and I think about structural design and there are so many moments. And I, the reason I highlight those two is because your collaborators are inactive. Yeah, they're objects yeah. or their landscape. There's so many moments when you design something because you're like, hey, this is great and I like this and it's beautiful and it's aesthetic and it's functional. And then you make it and you realize that it doesn't actually work for the landscape that you're putting it in or it doesn't work for the, the production or it doesn't work for the, like the house. And then you have to start, you have to change something. And I think it's incorrect to think that the only way something can speak is with a voice. Um, there's a way in which a beam and the, its placement is having a voice in being, yeah? And I think, mm. like I think about the work of Doris Arcedo, who's one of my favorite artists of all time, who made A Flor de Piel and uh, Crack, most notably in the Tate Modern in London. And it's it's an amazing work. She literally just like, has a concrete crack going through the atrium in the museum. It's responding to the way that that structure is built. And I think, I think that we need to widen our minds in thinking about how a process, how we process things. But I do hear your question. And I think that for business development, it's a little easier because honestly, you are, the collaboration is not active in that my audience is with me building the schedule, but 
there's a constant testing of the waters to see, oh, what are people interested in right now? You are consistently reaching out to your demographic to see whether or not they would respond to an event. So they're actually in, in that way, in the business world, there is a stronger link to collaborating in the process. Um, artistically, I think it's there. It's just a different mode of experiencing the world, which is why I bring up the overstory, uh, because I think that it really advocates for that kind of thinking. And that's why I think that an artist is a deep listener, um, because I think that that response is collaboration. And I think that collaboration is not just you and I discussing or compromising over points. Uh, because I think that in the end, what you brought up about having to let go of your ego still happens, even if it's with an inanimate object, where you think that something is going to work well, you put it out into the world, and you realize it doesn't. And then if you actually have an end goal, you realize that you have to shift and change, and you do have to let go of your ego and make it work for whatever space that you are designing or thinking in. Yeah, yeah. And thank you for expanding my mind to that and hopefully the listeners might as well um so that way of thinking um because it, i think it is also applicable to business development or marketing or event management because even if you don't have the ability to speak to your audience directly and coming up with an idea or an event or a product you still need to keep I mean, you still need to design or plan for them because they're ultimately the audience. And within that process, if you truly practice empathy and if you're truly kind of trying to get into their head and their preferences, you would still come up with something that is completely different from what you started to imagine, I would hope. Because, yeah, our our, our individual imagination, I think, is limited to a certain extent or can be enhanced if you're... Um, thinking about other people and, and what they might enjoy or not enjoy. So yeah, I think it's applicable to both of those modes. And also, I think if it's helpful, because I do understand the question that you're asking and why you make the differences between active and inactive, but I would say that I redefine the concept of collaboration to response. And that's why I kind of went on that preamble earlier because I think that what is a collaborator for? Yeah, we've collaborated in the past and it's someone that you're consistently kind of talking to and responding to, right? The collaborator beyond building things together, what you're doing is having a conversation to improve whatever it is that you're working on. And I think that a good example is like a knife and a sharpener. That's what I think of my collaborators. They're sharpening my thoughts and my ideas, and hopefully I'm doing the same. And I think that anything that you respond to, if you listen deeply enough, and I don't just mean listening with our ears, I mean in every sense, and I mean that word sense literally, um, you do the same thing. If you're truly listening, you truly have to respond. And if you're responding, you're collaborating. Yeah. And I like how you're bringing in that word sense and all of its meaning because that points again to the sensibilities because I think it's exactly that. The sensibility means sensing with everything, all of your senses that you've got and not only one that you're developing through an artistic practice. Um, I want to shift a little bit more to your professional practice. Um, tell me first, maybe for the listener, tell us what do you do? Great. Ooh, that's a fun question. <laughs> I think if you narrow, um, I'm the senior project manager and business development specialist at Syndication Bureau Media Services. The majority of my work is for the brand Live Healthy, but occasionally I do cultural projects under Syndication Bureau, which is another brand. 
Um, and what it really boils down to is I build relationships. I build relationships with um, other entities in the UAE that are working towards the same mission and goal, which for Live Healthy is making health and wellness accessible to all um, in a variety of forms. And then for senior project management, what it sounds like, I, I handle projects, but I think the majority of that is actually engagements and events. So for the community, which is exciting, um, things like the Live Healthy Festival, which is our signature event um, and my favorite project by far, and other tiny events that we collaborate with other entities to put off that are always circling around health and wellness and bringing um, whatever is the newest uh, innovation in health and wellness to the public here in the UAE. Right. And draw that connection between your artistic practice and your professional practice for me. I know we've already alluded to it, but you're building partnerships, you're managing projects. Where does your artistic practice show up and how? Ooh, I think honestly, it shows up mostly, it shows up in two places very strongly. There's one that doesn't have a role, which is when you are a project manager, you kind of have to have a, your preo perception on at all times. And just, it's really just deep listening to everything that is in part of the project your clients, your collaborators, your public, and being able to draw connections to see what's missing and what's needed. But it's it's constantly listening and responding to what's happening, but in every possible sense. And I think that I, I get that deeply from my arts education. It's, it's the same as when I'm thinking about a set or if I'm thinking about writing, it's what is missing and how do I add to it? Or quite frankly, when it comes to business development, how do I fix it? It's usually, <laughs> if something is missing, it's a problem and I need to fix it. Uh, but it's the same, it's the same idea. It's about listening deeply to fill in the gaps. Yeah. And for the, for the arts people among the listeners, I would equate that to a producer in a, um, in a theater space or, uh, yeah, someone who, who is producing a show and has to make sure that everything falls into place. Um, and, yeah, to, to make sure that the technical team is aligned with the front of house team and the artistic creative team and that they are communicating or that things are flagged in time. Um, it's that deep skill of deep listening. Cool. And, and where does, where else, um, where does it show up for your building partnerships and the business development aspect? Ironically, even though that one seems easier, I think that one's a little harder to name and define, but there's the obvious concept of collaboration, which, you know, comparing it to like, say set design, a set designer is responding to a director, to a costume designer, to actors. It's the same idea of what am I missing and what do you do that we can come together and make something great, right? So as an entity, you know, Live Healthy is not a medical provider. So how do we work with a medical provider to give, you know, health and wellness information that is accurate uh, and accessible for the public. I would come together with another entity to provide that. And, and I think that's the same thing that happens in the arts world, particularly in the medium that I'm interested in that you're interested in as well, which is theater. Um, I can't, I literally cannot build a set without having 
responding to a play <laughs> and there being a director, <laughs> you know, like in a very one-to-one -one literal correlation. Um, but also, I still think it's that it's that idea of there is a vision, which I guess in this instance would be a play and, or actually to, to bring it to painting, there's a canvas and I have a vision and I add a stroke. You have to continue to add strokes to make whatever the painting is going to be. And let's say that I add one stroke, um, I, hmm, I like I, perhaps there's a color and you're responding to another color. You need to add, I don't know, a shape, et cetera, that kind of relationship with, in order to, how do I make something better? How do I make something great? And that's the same idea that I bring to collaboration, which is I have an idea. I know, you know, my company has a mission, which is making health and wellness accessible for all. And there's a part that we can bring, but what is missing? What do I need to, who do I need to collaborate with to add the next thing and the next thing, the next joke, the next shape, the next color, you know, until mm. finally we have a masterpiece. Yeah. And speaking to that uh, a little bit more, going back to the idea of responding and and things changing in the process of collaboration when have you seen that when and how have you seen that happen in your professional practice and business development and looking for that medical services provider to give you accurate information what has changed then on your side how does that response back and forth work Ooh, I think an excellent example of when that has happened is any any events where we work with another entity that is for an audience. So to be specific without being particular for you know professional reasons, let's say you're offering, you're creating an event to make health and wellness accessible at least the information, because we think that there is a lack of accessibility towards health and wellness information in a holistic broad sense. There's a lot of information that is very marketed that you can find easily, and there's some that isn't. And we want it all to be the same because we think that knowledge is power, yeah. Um, you would then partner with say, we're trying to bring awareness to functional and integrative medicine which are other modes of thinking about medicine and nutrition, et cetera. We have the information because we're a content house that has journalists, but we are not a medical practice. So we can't actually give advice uh, in events. We can then bring actual doctors that practice this kind of medicine into the event. So people can, beyond having the base level information, which we put out into the world, they then can actually engage with that practitioner directly and ask the questions that they need. Now, here is what is complicated about collaboration. And I think honing back to what you said about leaving your ego at the door, um, there are always biases. And if you, let's say you, Sebastian, represent a specific kind of medicine and I Alexa represents a different kind of medicine and we have different beliefs. Sometimes we don't want to work together. Um, and that is, I think the complication and that, that it does have to do with leaving ego at the door because the idea is instead of coming in with curiosity and an openness to see what happens if we come together, what happens if we put these things side by side, there's an automatic rejection and without ever having engaged. So 
ironically, I think Live Healthy actually does do a good job of this concept of collaboration because what we try to do is put different modes of thinking together so that people have access to different choices. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's such a important point to make. Even, to, I mean, even if you don't have to think about making the relationship between the two things that you're putting together, but just by putting them in front of someone at an equal height footing or weight make can make a difference and can give that person choice and authority to decide what they want to what they want to do um yeah we're starting to run out of time so i want to move towards uh the second to last question i think of today which is how can people with an arts background leverage their sensibilities to engage with corporations or businesses if someone wants to move from the arts towards a professional practice I think, firstly, artists need to identify what their sensibilities are. Um, so I think that all of the arts practices, all of them, have an easy one-to-one -one correlation in the business world, but you have to realize what your skill set actually is in order to do that. So I think it was very easy for me, right? Because literature, writing, I don't need to explain to anyone the value of good writing. Um, that is something that is recognized and known. I think that you do have to explain how thinking about a set or thinking about directing and all of those relationships are valuable to a company. I think that the value is there clearly from the other parts of our interview. Um, but I think that first you need to know as an artist, what it is that your skill set is, and actually investigate what your practice has given you um, in order to then be able to actually fit in to a corporate landscape. But I do think that there is always the space. Anyone that has practiced the arts in any way, definitely their skills are transferable to a business landscape, whether that is being able to listen deeply, as I've mentioned over and over, or whether that is aesthetic, aesthetic practices or being able to organize information in a certain way, because I think that in many ways, uh, painting is that you're processing information and arranging it in a specific way so that people can accept it in whatever way that you want it to be. So whether that's clearer or if you want to obfuscate information, you still have to think about it. And I think that that process is very important in a business landscape. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my answer to that, which is first as an artist, you have to identify, you need to know what your skill set is. Um, so investigate what it means that your practice in, is painting and investigate what it means that your practice is in uh, sculpture. And then once you know that, it's actually quite simple to figure out how to fit yourself into a corporate landscape. Yeah, and maybe to add another layer to that, I think that investigation can happen and maybe should happen in conversation with the people around you too. Uh, I, I mean, that's what I appreciate about our friendship is that a lot of our conversations help me understand where my sensibilities lie in different contexts and how I can apply certain skills across different disciplines. Yeah. Great. The last question of today. Um, what are your next big milestones and what intentions are you setting for them? Ooh, well, this year is my fourth of the Puffy Festival, which is happening on January 21st. <laughs> um, and I'm really trying to make it the biggest one ever and the best one ever. So that is definitely a, mile, a very, very close milestone. And also 
I'm applying to grad school for architecture. Uh, and that, that comes with both short-term and long-term milestones and implications. I think, you know, for the short-term, for the Live Healthy Festival, that that is, the work there is clear, which is just trying to bring on, in relation to our conversation, the right collaborators to really give the public of the UAE the right information and what they need post the COVID landscape or really towards the end of the COVID landscape and give people different information, but also enjoyable and exciting. Um, and then on a personal note for architecture, grad school is grad school and applying for that, there are clear end goals. But I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is I think why I like structure and why I like business development and why I like project management is I am making something for someone else. Um, I am always responding to someone. And I think that's what excites me about architecture. It's yes, the structure is wonderful, beautiful, et cetera, et cetera, functional. But I think my focus is always function because somebody is getting to use it. It's serving some community and I'm excited to be able to serve communities in a different way, right? I serve communities right now through business development and project management, but I'm excited to serve them in a way that for me feels more tactile and uh, permanent or at least long-term. And how, what are the intentions that I'm setting to get to them. It is not intentions. There are some straight up goals in there <laughs> that I have to hit in markers. Um, so it's, it's less intentionality as much as it is like actual goals to hit. And there's many, many. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, thank you so much for the conversation today. I really loved having this conversation with you i hope it has been valuable to the listeners um where can people learn more about you or get in touch with you if they would like to Ooh, that's always a rough question for me <laughs> <laughs> i think um my instagram is a great place to start hmm. which is at ramana girl so if you have any inquiries or questions or just want to be in conversation you can reach me there great thank you thank you for joining me today thank you so much Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Arts in Business. Episodes are being released weekly, so make sure to follow or subscribe. I hope you have a great week ahead of you.